So today we are going to deal with the subject on unmasking the strategies of the enemy. Unmasking the strategies of the enemy. Now in plain words, the strategy of the enemy is like what I said, steal, kill and destroy. And so today what we are going to look at is we are going to look at the specific ways in which he executes his plan of stealing, killing and destroying. Okay, so on, on the top surface we know it is to steal, kill and destroy and that, that's what he does. But we're going to look at how he executes that plan to steal, kill and destroy. So under this we're going to study about two main spirits that he uses among Christians. So if you profess to believe in the Lord, if you profess to believe in Jesus and also he uses this in, in other parts outside the church as well. So he uses these spirits mainly to attack people, mainly to bring people under his influence and under his control. So these spirits, two of them mainly, are called the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Delilah. Okay, These two spirits, two main spirits, first is the spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Delilah. Okay, so Jezebel and Delilah are the kind of spirits that work among Christians and in the churches. So, you know, they're very prevalent in Christian ministries. And so, as I talk about it more, you'll understand this even better. You know, if you, if you were to come to me a, a couple of years ago and, and tell me about these spirits, I won't even believe in it. I'd be like, what's the, it's, it's unnecessary. But as I got into full-time ministry, I realized how real it is, how they attack people. And especially they attack people in leadership in the churches. That is why sometimes, you know, you see leadership, people in leadership fall apart. And you wonder, you know, these people taught the word of God. They, they've preached the word of God, but they're falling apart. And sometimes we may not understand why. We have to, you know, we have to remember this, that as we, you know, do this study, there are spirits in the background that are constantly attacking pastors, constantly attacking people who, who are in positions of leadership so that they cannot serve God in the way God has called them to. So, it's important to know about them. Uh, because a lot of ministries, uh, big churches have been destroyed by these spirits. By these spirits. In fact, personally here in Mangalore, I encountered this. When I encountered it, I know how real it is. You know, when, when, you, when you have this... Uh, encounter with somebody who is affected by the spirit that is trying to, you know, create havoc in your life. It strengthens your prayer life. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, these kind of attacks actually builds up your faith. It, it works for the good reason also. It, you know, it just brings you up in the Lord. So, in fact, uh, I had encountered this personally in my life as well in the ministry in the church so it's a, it's a tough one to deal with it's a really tough one to deal with the reason i say that is because if, say if somebody has the spirit of anger if somebody has the spirit of um, um, just lying just take simple things okay some people you know keep lying no matter how much you tell them to stop they'll keep lying some people just show an extreme outburst of anger Okay, so anger in small portions is not a big deal, but anger as it grows, you know, when it gets like an emotional outburst, it can be controlled by the spirits. So if it's a spirit of anger, if it's a spirit of anger or a spirit of lying, it is easy to figure that out. 
it's easy to figure that out because a person will keep doing the same thing over and over again no matter how much how many times it's said to them but when it comes to the spirit of Jezebel it's really hard to figure out it's really hard to figure out trust me I've struggled with it you know because the person that you meet are so good so nice to you but they're struggling with something beyond what you can see in them amen before I go on I just want to ask are you getting the point is it clear yes uh, Kimberly is okay I, I, sorry I don't know what background you're from probably we can have a cha chat later so it's just <laughs> okay so let's just even if you don't understand it's okay you know just, just listen to it uh, there's more you can learn because uh, I don't know if you believe that these spirits exist or not but the Bible says it exists and so we believe and so it is important for us to study about it, to stand against the deception. Because as I talk about it, you'll understand it even better. Okay, so let me say this. If you don't get it in the beginning, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, you'll get it by the time we finish it. Okay, so two kinds of spirit that we're going to talk about. Jezebel and Delilah. Uh, how many of us know Jezebel in the Bible? Jezebel in the Bible. How many of you do not know Jezebel in the Bible? <laughs> do not know. It's, it's okay. You do not. You know, right? So Jezebel is basically this character that we see in the Bible, uh, who was the wife of this king called Ahab. Okay, Ahab was the king of Israel, and Jezebel was his wife. Now Jezebel was not a very nice woman. She she was a very wicked woman. She did a lot of wicked things. She killed people. She manipulated. She, in fact, the time when Jezebel was ruling, you know, is called as one of the saddest periods in Israel's history, because she followed another god, and she turned the people of Israel to follow that god. And during their time is when Elijah the prophet comes. Understand, Elijah the prophet. Do you remember this story where he runs away, where he keeps running, keeps running, because he's afraid of this woman because she was she was dangerous her husband was 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 a weak willed man her husband was not a very strong personality but this woman this this lady was a very strong woman she was so now you may wonder why is the name of this lady given to this spirit okay uh, spirits uh, let me put it this way they don't have gender whether it's you know the spirit of Jezebel can either work through a man or a woman but the reason why this name is given to this kind of spirits is because they they kind of have exhibit the same characteristic like Jezebel in the Bible so think of this name just as a nickname for such spirits okay it's called Jezebel it doesn't mean that it, it originated from her it was even existed before her but because these spirits exhibit the same kind of characteristics it's called as Jezebel and also the spirit of Delilah. How many of us know Delilah in the Bible? The, the lady for whom Samson fell. Okay. So again, uh, based on the way Samson was pulled into the whole thing, this name is given. So what is Jezebel and what is its function? What is Jezebel and what is its function? So did you understand till this point? Yes. So Jezebel's spirit is considered to be one of the more intelligent and cunning 
of, of, of the other spirits. And uh, many believe, many who study on the subject of demonology and spiritual warfare, many believe that this is one of the devil's most smartest and cunning spirits. One of the most smartest and cunning spirits. John Ramirez, who was, again, once upon a time, was, he was a high priest in the kingdom of the devil. He said that he had a pact. He had a partnership with this spirit to influence people and bring it under their spirit. Okay, so in one of his videos he talks about it. So the spirit of Jezebel influences in many ways, in many, many ways. And it will work in so many different ways that sometimes we may not even understand how it works. It will be really hard to discern. Okay, now let me talk about some functions. The way this spirit works, the way this spirit influences people. The function of a Jezebel spirit is first, it will bring in fear. It will bring in fear. And it will attack pastors and people who are in ministry. That's the second thing. And the third one is that it will attack the anointed ones and bring them down completely. That's what they target for. So first I said is they bring fear, right? And second, just attack pastors and then attack. Uh, third one is attack the anointed ones and bring them down completely. The fourth one is that a person who is influenced by the spirit of Jezebel will only do their will and never God's will. They'll be so, um, so filled with themselves that they will be always interested in fulfilling their plans than God's plans. And also they will give the appearance of repentance and then they will attack somebody. In other words, say if that person was in a meeting, you know, they were in a meeting and if the altar call was given, they'll be the front one in the first line to receive prayers, okay? So they will always exhibit an attitude of repentance, okay? So when you preach to them, they'll accept it, oh yes, I understand this. But once they show a picture of repentance and you think, okay, the problem is solved, everything is gone, then they attack. And the sixth one is that they need to be praised, elevated. They worship themselves and get others to praise them. They have a very prideful attitude. People who are influenced by the spirit of Jezebel, they have a very a lot of pride in them. So they need to be praised, elevated, they worship themselves and get others to praise them. They will be the most happiest if they are praised by people. People who are under the influence of the Jezebel spirit will be the most happiest ones and they will ask for more praise. They will say, okay, tell, tell more about me. What is it about me that you like? They, they just thrive on people praising them more and more. And seventh point is this. They, they have a love, they have this very possessive love to control. 
they like to control people. They, they, they have this, how do I put it, I'm just finding the right words. Uh, they have a possessive love to control and destroy. That's the statement. Have a possessive love to control and destroy. How many points have we finished? Seven. Seven. Okay. Was the eighth one is that they they will be loyal to you, they'll be a good friend to you until you disagree with them. The moment you disagree with them, the friendship is out of the window. They will rebel against you. They will be very loyal as long as you agree to everything that they say, everything that they say. And the ninth one is that they will do all that you ask of them, okay? As long as, is it, as long as it is part of their plan, okay? They will do all that you ask of them as long as it is according to their plan. There are about 21 points, I, I want you to write this down. They do a lot more. They, they literally do a lot more. Uh, I'll, I'll explain that as we go on. It, it, I tell you, it's very, very, very important. There was one time, I'll, I'll start with a story. Um, it was around the time, I think, 2017. 17. There was one time, I was just, I, I was in a place, and I hear this clear warning. I hear this clear warning saying, be careful, the spirit of Jezebel is going to enter the church. I was like, okay. And to be honest, I didn't take it very seriously at that point. I knew some, and I get this warning that from the Lord that something is going to happen in the church. I didn't take it very seriously. A couple of months later, it started showing up in the church. As in, it's not like, you know, all of a sudden the lights turn dark and everything becomes gloomy, nothing like that. Okay, nothing like nothing of that sort happens. But people start fighting against each other in the church. All the friendship that was so good until that point starts breaking up. You know, it's like the relationship starts getting rough. That's what happens with the spirit of Jezebel. Because it'll divide uh, divide people and it'll separate them. You see, some churches divide because of the spirit. Some churches literally break into pieces because of this kind of spirit. And I tell you, it came to a point, God spoke to me again and he said, you're not listening to me. I want you to pay careful attention to me. So all that I was planning to do um, for the next two, three months, put it all to a stop. I said, God, fix this. So we sat in prayer, Pradeep and I, we were in prayer for some time and we prayed and finally things started resolving. Things started resolving. See, it's the Bible study that we have today. Uh, we wanted to uh, move to a different place, but something, there was some tension, and it, it came to such a level, I quit. I said, no more. I'm not doing these Bible study anymore. I don't care about it. And today when I look back, it was the spirit of Jezebel working to divide, working to separate. 
and by god's grace you know we reconciled we came back we said okay let's do it again and that is why you see it's still happening today so it's a very serious thing that we need to uh, deal with and and here's what you have to understand this is not above the power of god god is higher than any powers but if we understand that this is what is causing the problem then we can give a solution for that we can find a solution for that it is like in your field of medicine if you know what the problem is it's easy to give a solution but if you don't know what the problem is no matter what you do it's always going to be a great trouble for you you may, you may not even know what medicine to give but if you know what the problem is you know where it's coming from it's very easy to handle that okay so let me continue how many points have we completed nine uh, another 12 points point number 10 they plant seeds of discord in others that often lead to conflict or even division in the church they plant seeds of discord in others that often lead to conflict or even division in the church point number 11 they use others to carry out their evil plan they will motivate others to do what the evil things that they want to do they they'll just motivate others to carry out their plan so in other words they'll be very pushy very dominating and if you if you don't do what they want you to do they will speak to you until you do it they're very very pushy point number 12 they work alone but only use others just use others as a, as 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 puppets but just work on their own so at the end of it all they'll get the name oh i i did this i did this point number 13 they have their own agenda never god's or any others Point number 14 they do not listen to God's voice or anyone else they just don't pay attention to anybody all they want to do is what they desire to do that's it the 15th point is very very dangerous one they are very very religious they will say i heard from god and god spoke to me believe it or not there are many many prophets many many pastors who carry the spirit of jezebel very religious they will say i heard from god they will worship lift hands everything but they are have the spirit so that's why i'm saying it's it's a hard one to find out because anybody comes and you know worships god and talks about god or god spoke to me god revealed to me we'll be like okay he is spiritual <laughs> but you dig a little deeper you'll find out it's something else that's working so that is why we have to be very careful of people who always say i heard from god people who always say oh this is what god spoke to me one of my mentor taught me this way he said be very careful 
of using those statements. If, because if you're not very sure and you say those statements, then you're just using the name of God in vain. You may commit an error and attach it to the name of God. So, so they're very religious. They will say, I heard from God and God spoke to me. Point number 15. Point number 16, they seek positions of authority in order to control, discredit and reach their goal. Reach their goal. Position, positions of authority in order to control, discredit and reach their goal. For example, when they want to get through somebody, they will get to one person and if anybody else comes in their way, they will tell this person, listen, this person is not the right one for you, throw them away. So sometimes you find leaders, what they will do is, all of a sudden they'll change. The very people who were so close to them, they'll start keeping them away. One new person would have entered the team and everybody else will be out. And have you wondered why that happens? What's this? Point number 17, they're not committed to anyone. They do not come under any leadership. They'll be in the church. They'll call the pastor, pastor, pastor. You are my pastor. But tell you, as pastors, we know who are our sheep. We know. We know. Okay? So they don't come under any leadership. They're not under the leadership of the pastor or under any leadership. They're not committed to anyone. Point number 18, I'll just quickly share the next four points. They seek affirmation and significance. They seek affirmation and significance. Point number 19, they have illegitimate authority. They will assume positions that are never given to them. They will take over without anyone's permission. Point number 20 and 21. Point number 20 is this. They are convincing liars. And point number 21, they rebel when corrected. Twenty are convincing liars. Point number 21, they rebel when corrected. There, there are ways to deal with them. There are ways to deal with them, which we will talk at another time. But this is what we have to understand about this spirit. The way it influences people and uses that same people to get into the church and create all sorts of problems. So, so what comes to your mind as you read all these points? <laughs> yeah. What does it make you think? What does it make you think? See, first of all, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid at all. The enemy is powerless compared to God. Okay, when you put God there, he has no chance. There is no opposite for God. There is no opposite. He is the only supreme and highest power that we have in our world, in our universe. There is nobody greater than him. The enemy comes under him. He is under the hand of God. And we as his children have authority from God. Now we will never use an authority unless we know who is attacking us? And that is why we are studying this. Not to scare you, but to remind you of the ways the enemy 
can attack. Because you know these kind of characteristics are so prevalent. Sometimes you, want, you may wonder why is this family that loves each other so much all of a sudden broken? There'll be this one person who'll tell stories from here, stories there, plant seeds of division, discord, hatred. They will control people and they will divide the entire family, split churches. They'll be very rebellious when you try to control them. But when it comes to prayer, they'll be the first one in the line. And you may wonder, how will this person even do anything? They're such good people. Praying, reading the Bible all the time. The enemy disguises himself. And it's very important for us to find out. See, that's why everybody who prays is not with the Lord. There was an old man whom my dad asked him one day. He, he, he would speak a lot of foul language. My dad asked him, uh, Uncle, do you pray? He's like, I'm always with the Lord. <laughs> His answer is, I'm always with the Lord. But what comes out of the mouth? Foul language. See, when we are truly with the Lord, our lives will be very different. Just saying, you know, prayer and reading the Bible, anybody can read. Anybody can read it as a habit. But is it truly transforming us? So when, when people are affected by the spirit, what they do is they, they use religious practices, religious activities to cover themselves, to cover themselves and to portray that everything is all right with them. But when they enter the church, they completely divide and destroy the church. So that's, the, that's what the spirit of Jezebel does. Any questions? Any questions? I'm going to talk about a little more, but um, there's a little more to talk about. Any questions? Not gender biased. Men or women, anybody. So for those of you who missed, um, we're doing a study on the spirit of Jezebel. We just got through the first part of it where we studied what do the spirits do? Okay, so probably I'll share the recording with you later, you can listen to it. So Jezebel is basically a type of spirit, a spirit that's given the nickname of Jezebel. Most of us know what Jezebel is. You know who Jezebel is in the Bible? The wife of King Ahab. Not a very nice lady, she destroyed a lot of people. She controlled over 450 prophets of Baal. Imagine one woman <laughs> controlling 450 men. Not an easy job, but she did it. She killed people. She massacred the prophets of Yahweh. She did that. So uh, this spirit is something that exhibits the same kind of characteristics. That manipulates, that steals, that speaks lies, but they portray themselves as very religious. Okay, so that's what we studied about. There's more to it. We can listen to the recording. Any questions? From what you heard so far. Okay, so how do, they, how do they infiltrate the church? How does this infiltrate the church? How does the spirit of Jezebel get into the church? The spirit of Jezebel has a companion spirit called the spirit of Ahab. Okay, so even before the spirit of Jezebel enters the church, the spirit of Ahab comes in. Now, what is, this, what is the spirit of Ahab? The spirit of Ahab is a weak-willed spirit. It is a spirit that causes the leadership team in the church or leadership to become weak and have fear in their hearts. 
Okay, let, let me give you this story. First uh, Kings chapter 21 verse 1 to 19. Let's go to that passage. First Kings chapter 21 was 1 to 19. What does it say there? It talks about this story where um, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth and the Jezreelite. And the vineyard was in Jezreel close to the palace of King Ahab. So Ahab wanted this piece of land. He tries to get it but this man says, no, I cannot sell it. He says, I will pay you whatever it is worth. So the king is demanding for land, but Ahab says, but, but Naboth says, I'm not going to sell it because it is the inheritance of my ancestors. So this man Ahab, in verse 4, when we, can somebody read that? Yes, so verse 5, can somebody else read? Okay, because I, he answered her and, and then let's go to verse 7. Okay, so you see Ahab here. Who, he's the man, right? He's the man. He's the man here and he hears the situation. As a king of Israel, you know, it, it is not a right thing to confiscate land and do all of that. But they have the rights, you know, the, the, the whole, it's like the whole nation belongs to them. Now when, when he hears this, that this man does not want to sell it to him, what is his reaction? He is sullen, he is, he is sad and angry over it. He doesn't take any other step, but who takes the step for him? Jezebel. So, as you think of the spirit of Ahab, what the spirit of Ahab does is that it it's always causes fear and weakness in a person. Okay, so the spirit of Ahab sets the stage and then the spirit of Jezebel comes and takes over. Now, going back to this question, how does it infiltrate the church? What happens is this. I'll explain it as clear as possible. If you don't understand, you can just ask me. In the church, what will happen is that because we're talking about the church context and Christian life, first the spirit of Ahab will come and affect the leadership team. In other words, they'll start feeling weak and incapable to do the mission that God has called them to do. And so they will seek for help. All of a sudden, there'll be weakness and fear in them. So when they have this sense of weakness and fear, when they are under that attack, that is when the spirit of Jezebel will enter in through another person, promising them everything that everything they want to do. They will say, I will be with you. I will help you in this. I will provide for you. I will take care of you. I will stand by you. I will make sure that these things are met. Understood? You understood how it works? how it infiltrates. So, so there's somebody who said like this, that before the spirit of Jezebel enters the church, there's like a black veil that is put over the leadership team, that they don't see it coming. It comes in and takes over and starts playing its role in the church. 
You understood? I, I, I try to make it as simple as possible. In fact, I can go into this topic and talk for it about the next, talk about it for the next one hour. I don't want to do that. Okay, uh, just understand it clearly. Before the spirit of Jezebel comes in, the spirit of Ahab comes. What is the spirit of Ahab? A feeling of uh, a weak-willed spirit. Okay, a, a feeling of fear that what are we going to do? How is the future going to be? And that is when the spirit of Jezebel will make an entry saying, I will take care of that for you. I will do it for you. And then it starts rolling over. So Jezebel has a companion spirit. Sets the goal. Yeah. Yeah. See, in the, in this case, the very act of praying and reading the word is not to uh, fill them up, fill them, uh, grow in the word of God. It's not that. The purpose of that is to portray that I'm religious. It's just a show that is put on. In other words, it's not to uh, help yourself grow. So these kind of people, when you meet them personally, you won't find them praying. When you meet them in public, they'll be very on fire for God. Get the difference? There was one, one person that, uh, this is a real story, okay? He, if you, if you sit and talk to him, he'll talk to you for many hours. But if you say, let's uh, pray and worship God, he'll just do for 15 minutes, not more than that. So there's, there's just a portrayal that, okay, I'm religious. I, you know, I, I sing, I pray, and all of that. But only to a certain limit. They won't go beyond that. So they just portray themselves as okay, like this in public. But in truth, uh, their their religious practices are never going to take them in. No, 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 nothing like that. Nothing like that. The the dangerous part is some of them prophesy. That's that's the most dangerous part. They will prophesy. If you, anytime, I want you to know this, if you meet people who prophesy and then control you, run as far as away that you can run from them. Do not, do not stay with people who, can, who will control you. If somebody prophesies saying, listen, this is what God's going to do to you, and all of this, and finally they say, come back and see me tomorrow. If you don't show up, they, if they call up and ask, why you didn't come? Why didn't you do this? Didn't I tell you that you should do this? Didn't I speak a word from the Lord that you should do this? If they start controlling you that way, cut the phone call, run as far away from them. These are con See, a true man of God will never control you. Okay? He will always guide you. He will say, okay, this is the way. If you want, you can walk in it. Now, what does is, what is Joshua say? Said before you, life and death. That's it. The recommendation is choose life. If somebody comes and controls you with their prophecy, run away from them as far as possible. Because this is what the spirit of Jezebel does. It, it, it controls you with an intention to actually destroy you. Okay, and there's this next spirit called the spirit of Delilah. It, this is a very... Uh, it's a fornicating spirit. It's an adulterous spirit. It seduces a man or woman who is in ministry. 
or somebody who is really walking in a close relationship with God. So their focus is always to destroy those that are serving in ministry. Spirit of Delilah. Have you ever wondered why pastors fall into this trap? Like you know that they're not supposed to do, they fall into it. It's the spirit of Delilah that's working in churches, seducing pastors to do the very things that God hates. So it's a spirit that entices pastors and leaders or elders in the church to fall into sin. There was a man um, called Jimmy, Jimmy, I don't remember his full name, but he, he, his, his ministry fell apart and he came back, again he went, came back, again he went. Very, very, uh, ministry had great impact, but kept going back into it again and again. And as you read these spirits and understand them, you know what's working behind the scene. Now for somebody like that, what they should do is they should get a group of people who pray and bind these spirits. Okay, so the moment you bind these spirits, everything ceases, everything, all such temptations stop. So in conclusion, I want you to understand that Jezebel and Delilah spirits largely flow in our Christian world today. Uh, they, they are in churches day and night trying to see whom they can destroy. They're also outside the church. They're trying to destroy people. Now, if we don't identify them, we cannot stand against it. Okay, if we don't identify it, we cannot stand against it. God has given us the authority to trample over snakes and scorpions. God says, I've given you authority to stand against the works of the enemy. And we have to stand in that authority, pray in the name of Jesus, and everything will come to a full stop. Amen. So Jezebel and Delilah spirits. How many of you feel scared? Nobody? <laughs> don't, don't be scared. It's, it's absolutely nothing to be You know, I, I can literally, even if a pin falls right now, I can hear it. It's that quiet. <laughs> I don't have to be afraid of it. This is nothing. We have to know what it is, stand against it in the name of Jesus, everything stops. That's simple as that. There's nothing very, very complex to it. Any questions before I go into the armor of God? Before I talk about the breastplate of righteousness? Is there any questions? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you see the 21 points that I gave you. You'll find those traits in them. First of all, you'll find those traits in them. Whenever you find something suspicious, what you have to do is you have to take a step back. That doesn't mean you have to stop talking to them. Take a step back and watch them very closely. Watch them very closely. Okay? Just continue to watch them clo- Just one minute. I'll finish. Watch them closely for a period of time and see if they exhibit more characteristics. That is one thing. Second is that you have to ask God for the spirit of discernment. Now, spirit of discernment is something that God will give you. Okay? And as Christians, all of us should have. What the spirit of discernment does is that it helps you distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. What is false and what is truth. What, what is you know, disguising itself as evil 
and what is actually the truth. So the spirit of discernment comes with the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will remind you, will tell you something is wrong. Something is wrong. Like when you meet some people, they look so nice, but you'll be like, something is wrong, I don't know. I'm not very sure. And in that case, what you should do is just take a step back, pray and seek for God's counsel. Now when you do that, God will make it even more clear to you. So two ways. One is we have to see these things. Okay? Do they exhibit any of these characteristics? If they do, take a step back, ask the help of the Holy Spirit and He'll guide you, guide you through it. Kimberly, you had a question? Praying and counseling. Definitely. There are ways to help them and are also methods in which you can help them. But you cannot be very direct. The moment you're direct with them, they will rebel against you. They will even fight with you and, and put you down everywhere possible. This is the characteristic of this devil, of this spirit. Because the last point that I said is they rebel when you correct them. When you point out that this is what they're struggling with, they will correct. So the way to do that is this. Okay, first of all, if, if you know this person is struggling with it, you have to prepare yourself a lot in prayer, even before you approach that person. Because you have to understand you're not just dealing with a person, but you're dealing with the spirit behind that person. See, one day in the, in, the, in the life of Jesus, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, you should not go to the cross. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus doesn't say, get behind me, Peter, but he says, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus understood that it's not Peter speaking now, but it is the devil influencing Peter to speak those words. So, first of all, if you want to deal with such people, you have to prepare yourself in prayer. I would say fasting and prayer and then approach them, sit for a meal, have a friendly conversation and then ask them do they have any sort of struggle like this. Okay, so the whole idea is you have to get them to open up to you, get them to open up to you. If you're direct, they will hit back immediately. So you have to get back, get, get them to a point where they open up to you, they start, you know, then they will open up slowly. It has happened when I've dealt with people like that. They've started opening up and they share their struggles and all of that. And then you say, okay, I want to pray with you. I'm going to help you. And you should know this, that this is something that will not go in one instance. You've got to follow up, meet with them, follow up, meet with them. And keep, you know, keep them in a very strong friendship and a very, very strong spiritual bond till they are set free from that. Sorry? Say that again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. In other words, what you're saying is, isn't it better for them to leave than for us to deal with them? Um, <laughs> that's, that's a quick fix. Sometimes that's needed. Um, there's one pastor uh, from that I know very well, he's a good friend of ours. Uh, he, he had this issue in the church. And this man was rebelling, creating problems. And the pastor told him, leave the church. Please leave. See, 
I'm, I'm just going to uh, touch from your point and then come to a very gracious point. Okay? So in other words, you have to understand that when you offer counseling, when you tell people, listen, this is what you're struggling with, you've got to fix it, you've got to do it. If they don't fix themselves, if they don't fix themselves, it's like, imagine a patient comes to you. You know what the problem is. You give them the medicine, but they keep throwing it out all the time. They, they refuse to take it. Now what will you do with them? Do you have a lot of time to spend with them? You finally say, okay, it's up to you. It's up to you. See, we see this pattern where Paul also deals in the Bible. He says, if there is an unbeliever, sorry, if there is a believer who does not work, you know what Paul says in the Bible? You know what the Bible says? He should not eat. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. If there is a man who is a believer who knows the values and the principles, but does not work hard, he should not eat. Very, very plain principle. Sometimes we may look at it and we... <laughs> I wish I could, you know, give them a meal every day, give them some money every day. You know, the Bible is very practical. You have two hands, two legs, you're supposed to work hard. If you do not work hard and is just trying to live for free, living a lazy life, Bible says they should, they are not even, they should not even eat because they don't make their own money. So when it comes to things like this, if you offer them ways of coming out of it and if they don't, you know, they don't want to fix themselves, then it's between God and them. We can't do anything much. So, in, in some cases, it's better for them to leave than to stay with you. Because when that person comes into your life, the kind of havoc they'll create, words cannot describe. I'll tell you, the words cannot, it'll be a mental torture. You cannot sleep properly. Everywhere you go, you'll have trouble. So, it's better for that person to leave you than for you to deal with them. But if, if you offer help and they realize their mistake and they come and say, okay, I'm going to fix it, help them. Yeah. Any questions? Aren't we all uh, made in the image of God? Yeah. That was the only reason I asked that. How could we help them? Because at the end of the day, we are all made in the image of God. Yeah. So if that person is that way. It's like our brother or sister is struggling. Okay. Yeah. We are all made in the image of God. That is, that was how God made us, you know, from the beginning of Adam. Even till now, we are all made in the image of God. But we have to understand that we all have gone in our own paths. It's like we have chosen to do these things. You can't say that there is no fault of theirs because the Bible also says this. Yeah, it's like, it says, do not give the enemy a foothold. Okay, so basically if that person opens up a room for the devil to work, he will come. Say so some of the common ways is hatred, unforgiveness. Uh, even if a person goes to consult an astrologer, palm reading, all these things will open doors that will have a place in that person. See, you have to understand the enemy will not come unless you put a chair for him in your life. Okay? He will not barge in unless you show those traits that belong to him. That is lying, hating one another, unforgiveness, all sorts of wickedness. When you display that, he's going to come and take over your life. So, you can't say that it's not the person's fault. They have allowed it in one or the other way. 
Yeah. One of the most common ways it comes in is through unforgiveness. It's a big thing. It, it comes through that. When do you decide? Like, are you asking the number of times? No. Or when, you, when do you know it's the right time to stop? Okay. The right time to stop would be somewhere um, where, you, where you tell them the message clearly. Okay, very clear. It's like you've put it in plain simple words, say at least some three or four or five times, but they still reject it. Because what will happen with people like this is that they, the more you keep telling them, they'll listen to you, and after that they'll start hitting back, hitting you back, they'll start rebelling. So when it starts getting to a point where they do it once, twice, a third time, you say, okay, enough. It's between you and God. I've done my part, now it's, it's up to God. I would say maybe two or three times or four times. Even that is a lot to bear with, actually, when you, when you experience a person who is something like this. Any questions? Let's quickly go into the armor of God and then we'll come back to it. And we'll pray and finish. Next week, uh, in fact, last week I said I'll, I'll teach you how to pray a spiritual warfare kind of prayer. But then after the study, I realized I didn't do that. I forgot. So I'll do that next week. In fact, uh, I'm going to give you a list of points through which we can pray. How we can pray spiritual warfare kind of prayers. Very simple, very straightforward, and very uh, scripturally sound. So we're going to do that next week. Now, now we're going to see how we can stand against it. And sometimes, you know, we also can be, uh, can let ourselves open in some or the other way that this might influence us. It's important to be on our guard. And as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. And last week we studied about the belt of truth. The belt of truth that is sticking to God's word, following the true, true doctrines and living by it. Now, the second thing we're going to look today is the breastplate of righteousness. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. So as we go through this verse, it's going to give us in, you know, how we can guard ourselves against all such works of the enemy, how we can protect ourselves and keep our life safe and secure in God's hand. Ephesians 6, 14. Okay, so it says here the best breastplate of righteousness in place. So quickly, what is a breastplate? Now for a Roman soldier, because Paul was writing from a, a prison point of view because he was chained right now. And he was, you know, he was always in the sight of soldiers. So looking at their, the way they dress them up, he describes the Christian life that way. So he starts with the belt and then he goes to the breastplate. Now a breastplate is a very important part of their armor. The breastplate is the one that, that, that uh, protects the most vital organs of their body. The heart, the lungs, the, the, it protects the back, everything. It protects the most vital parts of their body. So if, if they didn't have a breastplate, they will die very soon. 
if somebody hits you uh, shoots you in your straight to the sometimes i get confused where the heart is <laughs> just and, and i and i talk to my wife and she she she's very nice you know she smiles and then after 5 minutes she tells she'll tell okay you made this mistake so i don't think of it much anyway uh, you know because there is there are vital organs in our body if the breastplate isn't covering we can lose our life in an instant in in a very very short period of time so breastplate of righteousness is very important now what does this breastplate of righteousness mean breastplate of righteousness means that we have to live in a right relationship in, with god in believing in him and trusting in him breastplate of righteousness means that we have to live in a right relationship with god in believing in him and trusting in him very important it's not just enough to know god not just enough to come to church but it's important to believe that he is the god it's important also to trust in him see many times we we believe in god but we don't trust in god that is why when problems come we run in 10 directions why we don't trust that he's our protector what does psalm 91 say a thousand may fall at your side and a 10000 at your other side but nothing will harm you now if we trust god that way then we will stay secure in him so the breastplate of righteousness shows a life where you are in a right relationship with god where you believe in him where you believe that he is god and also where you trust in what he says in his word that's what it means living in a right relationship with god in believing and trusting in him So how can we live by this how can we live according to this word that it says where breastplate of righteousness three things how can we live by it? three things first is remind yourself that your righteousness is based on what Jesus did for you remind yourself that your right standing before God is based on what Jesus did for you i remember as a kid i was very curious about electronics So when my dad would buy me a remote control car I would use it for 5 days and the 6th day it'll be missing and my dad exactly knows what happened to the car the motor will be separate the wheels will be separate because I was always fascinated how this car moves what makes this car move you press a button and it moves how and so <laughs> I would dismantle it one by one I would take the motor out I would build a fan for myself and put it just point it straight to me and watch it run that's how i was <laughs> so you know my dad has got me something nice okay but i'm i'm destroying it making something out of my own now when my dad calls me to ask me what happened i won't have the you know the 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 strength to face him because i know i've done a mistake now even in our christian life the wages of sin is death we have committed sin where we cannot stand before god the father It, it the bible talks about god the father as the god who cannot see evil he has eyes that are too pure to look on evil which means with the righteousness no matter how pure we can live it will still be a filthy rag and we have to understand that our right standing is based on what jesus did for us because the biggest place where the enemy will attack you is that he will tell you that you're not good enough he will tell you no matter what you can do no matter how many how many songs you can sing no matter how many people you can evangelize he'll tell you that you are 
just playing the fool. That you're not good enough. And when the enemy tells you that, you have to remind him that I stand not on my righteousness, but on the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, how is that? Because Jesus paid the price for us, his blood has cleansed us pure. It just has made us free from all our sins and makes us stand before the Father. Now we can stand before him, have a relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus has done. So that whenever the enemy comes and tells us that you are this person, you have so many doubts in you, sin fills your heart, all of this, when, when people come and when, when the enemy comes and whispers that to you, you have to remind him that I stand on the righteousness that comes from God. And it's so important to do that because the way the Jezebel spirit enters is that it uses your weakness. It uses the weakest point of your life to enter into you and to control you. The way that it will begin is that the enemy will start whispering to you saying, you're not good enough, you're like this and like this and that and this and that. And it will become so weak to a point where now the enemy has a space to work in your life. So you have to remind yourself that no matter what the enemy says, my righteousness is not of my own. Of my own. We don't become, you know, we don't, we don't have to do a lot of works, a lot of things to be saved. We are saved by what? By grace. By grace, simply by grace. We, we don't have to do anything to impress God to be saved. All we have to do is just believe in Him. Paul says like this in Philippians 3.9, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Now last week for those of you who were in church would know that Paul according to the law was faultless. So is there something that he can brag about? Absolutely. He was righteous according to the law. But he said be found in him not having a righteousness of my own but that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So we have to remind that our right standing is because of Jesus, not because of our own merit. Okay. The second thing is this. Don't sulk in your weakness. Rather, remind yourself that even in your weakness, his strength will make you perfect. This is a, a privilege that we have in Christ. We don't have to sulk in our weakness. We, we all, you know, as human beings, we all are weak in one or the other way. And we shouldn't live in that weak zone, always thinking, oh, I'm like this, my life is like this. No. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in our weakness. What an amazing God we serve. We don't have to, you know, sulk in our weakness thinking, oh, my life is like this. I don't have anybody. I don't have much friends. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not very talented. I'm not very this and that. We don't have to think of all that. It is the grace of God that makes us perfect, that leads us. So we have to remind ourselves that even in my weakness, his strength will make me perfect. Okay, so this is another way of living by the breastplate of righteousness. And the third one is this. Build your life values according to God's word. Your life values, your principles, your moral ethics should be built according to God's word. Psalm 119 verse 1 to 5. Can we turn to that? 
Psalm 119, verse 1 to 5. Is it Psalm 119 was 105? What did I say? 1 to 5 is it? Sorry. <laughs> I missed the zero in between. Psalm 119 was 105. Okay, what is the psalmist saying here? Your word is what guides me. Your word is a light that lights up my path. So we have to keep God's word as the very foundation of our life. Our life values our ethics, everything have to come out of God's word. Okay. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Matthew 7 24. Okay, we all know this story. Man who built his house on the rock and on the sand. The man who built his house on the rock is the man who heard the word of God and built his life on it. So if we have to have this breastplate of righteousness, we have to live by God's word. We have to build our life's values, our moral ethics, the way we live life, the way we you know, show ourselves to others should be built on the foundation of God's word. One more verse, Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Yes, what is Paul saying to the church at Philippi? Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you look at the Greek here, it says, conduct yourself publicly. It's easy to conduct ourselves when there is nobody around, you know, we can be ourselves. But when we go in the public and somebody pokes us into trouble, that is when our true colors come. You know, many years ago, I'll be patient and calm until I meet those auto guys in Bangalore. Just, you know them, they're the pure angels who just came down from heaven. They will rip you royally. They will rip you royally. So my I was calm until I met these auto guys who would charge huge prices, you know, just from here to, it's like from going from here to um, city center, they'll ask you like 80 rupees. This was in 2010. <laughs> Crazy, you know the Bangalore auto guys. So Paul is saying, listen, you've got to live your life publicly according to the word of God. It is not like you live your life when nothing is happening, when everything falls apart, you still have to stand as a man of values and your values have to be drawn from the word of God. So live life worthy of the gospel. Okay. So when you build your life according to God's word, second point, if you stop sulking in your weakness and remind yourself that God will demonstrate his strength in your weakness and if you remind yourself that your righteousness is based on what Jesus did for you, then you can have the breastplate of righteousness. Simple. Is it too hard? No. We just have to apply it to our life. Amen. Finally, I want to say this and end the study. See, one of the areas where the enemy attacks, I'm going to repeat a couple of things again. I want you to get this point. One of the areas where the enemy attacks you is you're standing before God. He will remind you of your past. Remind you of all that you've done in the past, all the ways you've lived before. He will attack your faith that way and he'll put you down. 
He will say that, look at what you've done in the past, you're not good enough. There was somebody who was coming to a church long back, and, uh, and the reason I'm saying long back is so that you don't look around and see who is it. <laughs> so they were coming long back, and no matter how many times they came to service, they always had this thought in them that I've done so many things that are wrong that cannot be fixed easily. They had this thought in them. They had this thought in them that my past life, I've done so many things that is not right before God, and I don't know if, it, if I'll be ever forgiven. The truth is there is no sin Jesus cannot forgive. God forgives everything. He is able to forgive. But what the enemy does is that he tells you, because you did this in the past, you're not good enough. But what Jesus says is that you're made righteous because of my blood on the cross. So what the enemy will do is he'll constantly use these means to attack your faith. Now if we give into that, that became, becomes a space for the enemy to start working. That becomes a spot for the enemy to start working. So no matter what it is, no matter what it is, we should never let the enemy a room to remind us about the past. He does this to weaken us and make us believe that we are still sinners and whatever Jesus did is not enough. And what this will lead to is rejection. Because when people start thinking that way, they'll start keeping them away from the church. And when rejection comes in, it opens the door to the spirit of Jezebel. Okay. So you have to always remind yourself that my life is based on the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus. Not that I've earned, not, that, not what my parents have earned for me, not because my parents prayed for me, it's because of what Jesus did for me. And what he did for me is perfect. So when you have a clear sense of that, you can stand against every work of the enemy. Every work of the enemy. You see, let me tell you this. This is something that happens to me quite often. Uh, it's a practical thing, you know, because I'm in ministry, the enemy tries to attack me so many times, so many times. So many times. I can't even count the amount of times now. And I remember the initial stages, I'll be so afraid. I'll immediately fast and pray. Now what I do is I know he's attacking me. I just don't care. I don't care. I'm like, I know who you are. Get out of my way. Because I serve the King of Kings. You've got to become, you've got to come to a point where the enemy is nothing but just, uh, just, just this another thing running around. You know? Because, you know, when you think of God, he's so amazing, so magnificent and all-powerful that the enemy is, is just nothing in front of him. Nothing in front of him. I want to end this story by John Ramirez. In his book, I, I really recommend that you read it. Maybe you can read it a little later also. Uh, he, he talks about his life and how God brought him out of the devil worship. And he said... In his dream, one day God took him towards hell, just to show what it is like. And as he went towards hell, he could feel the heat increasing, heat increasing. And all of a sudden, he describes like this in his book, that a 12-foot tall figure appears before him. The devil, red eyes with wings that are stained, appear before him. And he says that the enemy, uh, Satan talks to him saying, I've given you women, I've given you wealth, why do you want to leave me? Haven't I taken care of you? Haven't I loved you like a father? He speaks of all these things. And he says, now you cannot leave me. 
I'm going to kill you right now. I'm going to attack you. And he describes in his experience that as he was going through that moment, as the enemy was trying to attack him, a cross appears. Out of nowhere, the cross appears. The moment he took hold of the cross, he said he's never seen the enemy, he's never seen Lucifer so weak. The moment he took hold of the cross of Jesus Christ, the enemy just falls on his feet because he has no room, no power to stand against the name of Jesus. So we have to understand that the God we worship is much greater, much powerful, much stronger. And no matter what the enemy tries to do in our life, our focus has to be, have to be set on him. We have to be aware of it, pray against it in the name of Jesus. And when we do that, everything will change. Amen. So I want to end this study here. I hope it was beneficial for you. Why don't we all stand up? Let's pray for some time. Praise the Lord. And then we're going to end the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this beautiful evening that you've given us, where we have studied your word, where we have seen what it says, O Lord. And we know, Master, that it is by your grace we stand. It is because of your righteousness that we live a life that is pure and holy before you. And Master, help us to remember these words a lot. Because whenever the enemy comes to attack us saying, you are not good enough, that you've done so many things in the past, when he reminds us a lot, help us to stand on your word and say that I do not live by my own righteousness, but I live by the righteousness that comes through my faith in Jesus Christ. Help us to have this breastplate of righteousness so that the vital parts of our spiritual life will be guarded by your word, Master. Help us to live according to your word. Help us to build our life on scriptures, O Lord. Help us to live a life worthy of the gospel, Master. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done this evening and all that you've spoken to us. We pray that you continue to lead us by your word, O Lord. Let your word become a light to our path. In everything, O Lord, let us build our life on your word. Help us to know you more. Help us to learn more about you. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.